please do that. Isaiah 38, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. If you are in the side, the two side aisles, scooch over toward the middle column, and so that way we can be closer to one another. Isaiah chapter 38 in your Bibles tonight. Let's look at... um, Let's look at verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse 8. This will help us review uh, what we looked at last week, and then we'll get into our, uh, the rest of the chapter beyond that. Verse 1 says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came upon, uh, unto him, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember me, O Lord. I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he hath spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees, which is gone down in the sun, dial of Ahaz. Ten degrees backwards, so the sun returned ten degrees, by which degree it was gone down. Again, the title of our Bible study is, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Isaiah here, or rather Hezekiah here, is looking at death. The prophet has come and told him, the doctor has come and told him, your days are numbered, put your house in order, you're going to die. Uh, If it wasn't enough to have a doctor tell him that, now God has sent a prophet in here to tell him this. And Hezekiah begs God for more life, and God, because of Hezekiah's faith, grants him that wish. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, help us as we look even deeper in this passage to understand it. Spirit of God, work in each of our hearts and Uh, Lord, uh, confirm truth in our hearts, but Lord, also show us where we can uh, grow according to the truth that we have. I'm reminded, Lord, of the verse in in John chapter 8 where, uh, Jesus, you spoke and said, uh, the truth shall make you free. And so, Lord, we want to be made free by truth. We want to live a liberated lifestyle Uh, in a world filled of slavery by sin. Lord, we sure don't want to be enslaved by sin. So, Lord, use the truth tonight and your word to help us to see some very vital things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It was, this was a rough time. Hezekiah is a king of Israel. And at the time of this writing, um, the, the enemy has come in. The Assyrians have come in. And they have taken over, or in the middle of taking over, most of the country of Judah. And they're moving in closer to Jerusalem. If that wasn't bad enough, Isaiah had a sickness. In fact, look at the end of chapter 38. Look at verse number 21. The Bible says, For Isaiah had said, Let them take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and he shall recover. And so what was the sickness that Isaiah, or rather Hezekiah, had? Well, we don't know exactly, but we know it involved the boils. That's not fun. Okay, a boil is a gigantic pimple, right? I'm not going to get descriptive because some of you have a weak stomach. But um, Job had a similar sickness and used pottery to push out 
um, uh, and give himself relief. And so did he have leprosy? It's possible. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what he had. Uh, did he have some sort of cancer that caused boils? That's also possible. We don't know exactly what he had, but whatever it was, he had a terminal illness and he was going to die. And Hezekiah, in his time of great agony, he turned to God. Let's look at, uh, just quickly by review, let's look at uh, number one. We said Hezekiah's fear of dying. We looked at Hezekiah's fear of dying. I said last week that all of the things in your life that you think are important, all of a sudden get re- uh, the, the priority list gets shifted around when you know that you're going to die very soon. Doctor calls you into his office and says, you got six weeks. All of a sudden, that car you were about to go buy, that car didn't matter anymore, right? That addition you want to put on your house ceases to really be all that important. He has six weeks to live. And Hezekiah here has been told, you put your house in order, man, you're going to die. And Hezekiah was afraid of dying. I talked about last week, we are, we are all afraid of dying. All of us are afraid of dying. In fact, for someone to commit suicide, they have to climb over the fear of taking their life because God built within us a desire to live. There is a will to live that God has put in all of his creation. If you've ever seen an animal that's wounded or injured, what, what do they do? They fight to live. They fight to live. God puts within his creation a desire to live, and that includes me and you. It is not natural for someone to take their own life, and it is not natural for someone to hurt themselves or harm themselves. And here Hezekiah has been told, hey man, this is about to get real, you're about to die, and Hezekiah... Boy, we see letter A, his death sentence, his death sentence. We said that, um, has, uh, that Isaiah walked in and said, With no bedside manner, put your house in order, thou shalt die and not live. We saw Hebrews 9.27 last week, and it is appointed that a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. It is appointed. Here's the reality. All of us have an appointment with death coming. All of us. I know that's a dark thought, but it is an accurate thought. Did you know that on God's calendar, He already has it written in where you're going to die? He knows. He knows. Now, we shouldn't tempt God by trying to take our own life, but God knows our day of death. And God was uh, uh, God sent Isaiah in to say, hey, you are going to die. Letter B, we saw his deep sorrow. Um, look, look down at verse 2 and 3. Isaiah 38, quickly. Look at verse 2 and 3. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Um, he, he turned his face toward the wall. I said last week that some theologians believe he turned his face toward the wall because that may have been where the temple was. And I take a less spiritual approach. I believe Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall because he needed to sulk a little bit. All right? He was very sad that he was about to die, and so he turned his face toward the wall so he could have a little pity party for himself. And while he was doing that, he made a case to God. He said, look, I know I haven't been perfect, but I have been faithful. I have done uh, that which was right. I'm doing a good work here in Jerusalem. I'm trying to follow you, and, and I'm going to die. And, and, and listen, uh, he, his claim was not 
incorrect. In fact, 2 Kings 18.5 is a, a, a third-party recording of the life of Hezekiah. And the Bible says that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel and no, no one before him or after him trusted in God more than he did. He was a godly man. His, deep, his, his death sentence, his deep sorrow, we see out of verses 4 through 6, we see his divine sympathy. Look, at, look back at verse 4. Um, then came the word of the Lord, Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and take the city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend the city. Hey, Hezekiah, not only am I going to hear your prayer and heal you, I'm also going to protect this city from the destruction of that mighty Assyrian army that is just running roughshod over the rest of your country. I'm going to come in and I'm going to save your personal health, give you 15 more years of life, and I'm going to protect the city. Uh, I have heard people say, what does it matter if I pray? God already knows what I'm going to say when I pray. God already knows what I need. And if He loves me, He doesn't need me to pray. He'll just come forth and do it for me. And I'm here to tell you that's not how God works. God expects us to pray. God depends on our prayer. Uh, God relies on our prayer. God moves and changes things depending on how much we pray. You see, God had written in a death date on His calendar in heaven for when Hezekiah was going to die. That date had been there since the day that Hezekiah had been born. And when Hezekiah prayed, God scribbled out the date and moved it 15 years in the future. Prayer matters. You say, I'm going through a hardship and, and I just am keeping my head down and waiting for this hardship to pass. My friend, you need to pray for the hardship to pass. You need to get on your knees and ask God to do something and to help you because God, a prayer does move the heart of God. Uh, we looked at John 16, and this is really where we get the title for the Bible study, but we looked at John 16 where Jesus said, in uh, verse 23 and 24, basically he said that if you'll ask anything in my name, I will give it unto you. I will give it to you. Ask anything in my name. Anything. Anything. What does anything mean? Anything. Right? It, now you have to ask it in his name. It has to be according to his will. You pray for it by faith. He's going to give it to you. And uh, one of the things I really uh, want to drive home before we get into point number two is that God is the great physician. He is the great physician. Um, when we have a health concern, before we go to the medical system, we need to go to God in heaven. And even when we go to the medical system, we need to trust that God will use that to make us better. Our faith is not in the Yale New Haven or the, or the Hartford Healthcare system. Our faith is in God, and if he so chooses to use those systems, that's fine. You say, Pastor, are you against someone seeing a therapist? If they're a Christian therapist, I am not. But your faith should never be in a therapist. It should be in God to use that therapist to help you. I feel the same way if you come see me in counseling in my office. Your faith should not be in me to help you through your problem. Your faith should be in God to use me to help you through your problem. And your faith should be in God uh, that even if you don't come to me, He can still help you through your problem. Well, there was a woman with an issue of blood in Mark 5.34. Jesus said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. 
There was a blind man in Mark 10 named uh, uh, Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, and uh, he cried out to Jesus, and the Bible says, Jesus said to Bartimaeus, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. What made these people whole? Was it some medical system? No, it was the Lord. The Lord reached down and touched and made them whole. Now, I know that Jesus Christ is not walking planet Earth and healing people and interrupting funerals and giving lame people their legs back and all that. But can I tell you that if God so wanted to do that today, He very well could. Can I tell you that not only God could, but God does. God does. God does touch people and make them whole. I remember some years ago, Pastor Brown preached here. And he shared a story about going to make a hospital visit. There being someone in a wheelchair who had uh, paralysis. And they didn't know if it was going to be temporary or long term. And they said, please, would you pray over me that God would give me my legs back. And Pastor Brown, being a young pastor, put his hands on the person's shoulders and prayed that God would give them their legs back. And uh, that person looked up at Pastor Brown afterwards and said, I know if God chooses to do this, he can do it. Just a couple of days later, that man stood up out of that wheelchair and walked. Did Pastor Brown heal him? No. God healed him by that man's faith. Then we saw his dynamic sign. So his death sentence, speaking of Hezekiah's fear of death, his death sentence, his, his deep sorrow, his divine sympathy, and his dynamic sign. Look, at, look down at verse 7 and 8. And this shall be a sign unto you. Uh, uh, from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he hath spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees, which has gone down in the sundial of Ahaz, ten degrees backwards. So the sun returned in degrees, by which degree it was gone down. Now there are people who uh, question God, because their faith is not in God, their faith is in science. And I think that's so silly, because God made science. Science is just the observation of the world around us. Who made the world around us? God did. Instead of observing the world around us, maybe we should observe the God who made the world around us. Right? And and we have a book that talks about Him. Do you know that for the sun to move backwards in the sky, that means He would have had to have stopped the rotation of the earth and move it backwards without causing everything to fly off? Someone who is a, a science nerd goes, well, that's not possible. Well, I just want to remind you that with God, all things are possible. Someone says, oh, you Christians, you believe a book full of fairy tales. Uh, No, I believe that God made the heaven and the earth and God can do whatever he wants. What's more of a fairy tale to believe that God spoke the world into existence or that uh, nothing exploded and became everything through a cosmic burp millions and billions of years ago? I'm sorry, it takes more faith to believe that fairy tale than to believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal days. You believe your fairy tale, I'll believe mine. And I'm being sarcastic there. I don't believe the Bible to be a fairy tale. You know the Bible says that Jonah was swallowed by a whale? Say, oh, you don't actually believe that, do you? Yes, I do. And I believe he vomited, vomited him up three days later. Amen, Brother Sean? He went running right into Nineveh, white as a ghost, with all that stomach acid from that, uh, from that there. Uh, I believe Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. And you know what? I believe. I believe the lions didn't eat him. Because I believe God shut the mouth of the lions, just like the Bible says. Oh, well, Pastor, those things are metaphorical. and Those things didn't really happen. If God says it happened, it happened. We serve a God who can stop the rotation of the earth and move it backwards without causing any, so, any such damage to do so. And this was the sign that God gave Hezekiah that uh, he would not at all, uh, that he would not die, that he would yet live another 15 years. 
Well, let's move on to point number two, because from verse 9 down through verse 22, we get some interesting insights as to what Hezekiah was dealing with emotionally uh, during his fear of death. We looked at, number one, Hezekiah's fear of dying. Number two, notice Hezekiah's fight with depression. Hezekiah's fight with depression. Get that pen out, fill in those notes, and let me give you an, uh, let's see here, an A, B, and C on this here. A, B, and a C over the next 20, 25 minutes or so, all right? He battled with depression, battled with depression. Wouldn't you if you were told you were going to die? Wouldn't you if you felt like you were going to die or you were dying? Um, depression is a real thing that many people battle with. It's a real struggle. We live in a world right now that is hyper-focused on mental health, hyper-focused on it. Can I just tell you before we get any deeper into the Bible study that mental health did not just become a problem in the last 20 years. Mental health has been an issue going all the way back to the beginning of time. You think that after Adam and Eve ate the fruit and were kicked out of the garden and lost everything, you think that in battle with some anxiety and depression? You think that when Cain killed Abel and then was kicked out, told to go live in another land, you think that Adam and Eve didn't deal with severe depression? Some of you here have kids. How would you feel if your children grew up and one of them murdered the other? The other one was banned from being around. You think they didn't battle with depression? We're going all the way back to the first man and first woman. We have this hyper-focus on mental health. But my friend... The Bible deals with this topic in great detail. Because as long as there's been humanity, there have been emotional struggles. Hezekiah took a diary. Look at verse 9. Look at Isaiah 38. Look at verse 9. The Bible says, The writings of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness. He took a journal and he wrote down for us his emotions during this time of great sickness. He wrote down how he felt. And what we're going to uncover in verses 10 through 22 is that Hezekiah slipped into a deep, deep depression. But Hezekiah found his way out of the depression. I want to say to you tonight, if you came in here and you are depressed, God has a solution for your depression. He can help you out of it. Letter A, notice his discouragement. We're going to read verse 10 down through verse 15. And again, these are Hezekiah's raw emotions being pinned down as he's going through this time of depression. Uh, we're going to read these, and then we're going to come back and uncover them a little, dive a little deeper in, in them one at a time. Look at verse 10. Uh, Hezekiah writes, writes, he says, I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord. Even the Lord in the land of the living, I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off like a weaver my life. He will cut me off with his, uh, with his pining sickness from day even to night. Wilt thou make an end of me? I reckoned till morning that as a lion... So will he break all my bones from day even to night. Wilt thou make an end of me? Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did 
mourn as a dove. Mine eyes fail with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He hath both spoken unto me and himself hath done it. I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. Now, there's some language here that we don't quite get because it's not in line with our culture. There's some idioms used and some phrases used that may not match our way of speaking. But we get the general idea here that Hezekiah is very, very distraught, very, very discouraged. Look back with me at verse number 11. Verse number 11. He said there, I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall be old man no more with the inhabitants of the world. He's saying here, my faithfulness to God will be no more. I've been faithful to God. And once my life is snuffed out in death, I won't get to be faithful to God anymore. I won't get to serve Him anymore. Are you faithful to the Lord? He knows whether or not you are. If God came down and said, you're going to die, would you be able to look to God and say, Please don't kill me. I've been faithful to you. And if you kill me, I won't get to be faithful to you here on earth anymore. But not only do you say my faithfulness to God will be no more. In verse 11, he also said my relationships with others will come to an end. There's a hilarious topic that comes up in the Lejeune house way too much. Way too much. I say it's hilarious. The topic isn't hilarious. How much it comes up is hilarious. My kids will say something like, Dad, if you were ever to die, um, I just don't think I could ever embrace another man and call him Dad. And then uh, Angela will say something like, uh, if you were to die, I just don't think I could make it. And I'm glad they, th- I'm glad they love me so much, but I'm like, why do you all keep talking about me dying? Can we just stop talking about this? Like, are you all planning on me dying at some point? Do you have some, you know, look into the future that I don't have? And what if you die, huh? We'll be sad if you die too, right? If you were to die, who would you miss? Right? How would that go? You'd you'd leave some people behind. Um, Here he is distraught over the thought of leaving his loved ones behind. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off uh, like a weaver my life or like a, a seamstress my life. He will cut me off with pining sickness from days even tonight. Wilt thou make an end of me? Now, there, again, there's some phraseology in here, some comparisons in here that we maybe don't use, but let me help explain what he's trying to say in verse 12 here. He's saying my life is getting ready to be taken down much like a tent is folded up. That's what he's saying. Taken down like a shepherd's tent. Um, the whole thought of your life's getting ready to come to an end, he's saying just like a tent gets folded up, my life is getting ready to get folded up and put away. And then he says there, he talks about the weaver uh, and the thread. What's he talking about there? He's saying my life is, here's a phrase that would be a parallel to what he's saying here. My life is hanging on by a thread. My life is just dangling by a thread. Look at verse 13. We see his discouragement. He said, I reckoned till morning that as a lion, so will he break all my bones. Talking about death. From day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. He's saying death is like a lion that's getting ready to devour me. Look at verse 14. 
Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. Mine eyes fail with looking upward. And here's the closest word you're going to find in depression in the Bible. He said, O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What's he saying here? He's saying, I am as fragile as a bird. My life will soon come to an end. I was walking home from work um, this afternoon, about 5 o'clock. I was going home to eat some dinner and then rest up for a little bit before I came back over. And I left my office, and right here in the lobby, there's um, uh, some doors that go out to the courtyard. And so I walked through the courtyard. There's some stairs that go up the side of the building there. And I'm walking up the stairs, and I hear thud. And then I look up, and I see a blue jay fly away. And then I look over to see what the thud was, and there were two blue jays. One of them flew away. The other one had flown into a window and laid there on the ground. Uh, out here are these lobby doors. I can't count how many birds have flown right into the door. We do such a good job of keeping those doors clean, Brother Jason, that they don't even, they don't even see, the, see the door there. And, and how fragile is the life of a bird, Right? The Bible tells us in Matthew 6 that Jesus sees when even the swallow follows, falls to the ground, the smallest bird. And here he says, my life is as fragile as a bird. My life will soon come to an end. Verse, look at verse 15. What shall I say? He hath both spoken unto me and uh, himself hath done it. I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. The discouragement had so soured him uh, that it gave him bitterness of soul. Now, let me speak practically to everyone in the room. I don't think anyone in here has been given a death sentence by a doctor or by the Lord. I don't think anyone here is looking at a few short weeks or months of life. But there are people in here you're just as discouraged as Hezekiah because you feel like you're dying inside. You feel like you're dying inside. You feel like a lion could swallow you up in any moment, your discouragement. You feel as fragile as a bird. You feel like inside you're being folded up like a tent. You feel like you're just barely hanging on by a thread. And, and this feeling causes us Great discouragement. Um, someone said at a conference I was at recently, they said that discouragement is a loss of, of joy. Discouragement is a loss of joy. Depression is a loss of hope. A loss of hope. Discouragement is a loss of joy. Depression is a loss of hope. You may find yourself in the same place as Hezekiah, but I'm here to tell you that there's some good news. We see... His discouragement. Letter B, we see His deliverance. His deliverance, alright? Again, we're looking at the raw writings of Hezekiah while he's sick. Look at verse 16 and verse 17 with me. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. Look here. So wilt thou recover me and make me to live. Behold, for peace... I had great bitterness. For thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. The pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Um, uh, take your Bibles over to Second Chronicles 16. Second Chronicles. And Chronicles is in the Old Testament. 
Don't get confused with Corinthians. That's the New Testament. Chronicles is in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 16, and look at verse number 11. His faith was in God to recover his body. Now, please listen. You say, well, pastor, I have uh, an emotional disorder, and it is not spiritual, it is medical. And I would just ask you this question, who made your physical body? Tell me, who made your physical body? God did. Who should you turn to first if you have a medical condition? Why? Because He made your body. Right? Look at Second Chronicles 16, and, and here we see an example of someone who got it wrong. Got it very wrong. Look at verse 11. And behold the acts of Asa, first and last. Lo, they are written in the books of the king of Judah uh, and Israel. And Asa... Is the thirty and Nasa in the thirty ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet, and his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, look here, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. All right, we're going to read the next verse in just a minute. What's his mistake? He has a physical problem, and instead of turning to the Lord, he turns to the doctors. Look, I know that it is not popular for me to stand here and say that when you have a health problem, that you should go to God before you go to the doctor. I know that's not popular. But I am not the one telling you this. God's Word is the one telling you this. Asa's mistake was that he went to the doctor before he went to the Lord. All right, look at verse 13. The Bible says, And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. Asa was so stubborn, he would not go to God he refused to go to God because his faith was in the medical system instead of the Lord. Now, I want to be very, 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 very clear. Don't leave here and misquote Pastor Lejeune. I am not against the medical system. I'm not against it. In fact, I have used the medical system. Many years ago, I had gallstones. I went to Golden Corral. How many of you ever been to a Golden Corral? Raise your hand if you ever been to Golden Corral. All right, you live to tell, tell the tale. Amen? Uh, All-you-can-eat buffet. We lived in Maryland, and uh, my wife and I went out uh, with our kids were really, really little, and I had all kinds of stuff I shouldn't have eaten. Uh, I enjoyed myself. I mean, I just stuffed. It was sin, amen? But, I, but it, was, it was good. It, it was wrong, but it was good. And sin is fun for a season. It isn't fun for long. I got in bed that night, and when my stomach hurt. Oh, it hurt. And I laid there, and I began to feel more and more pain, and I got to the place where Angela's asleep and the kids are asleep. I can't sleep. I'm tossing and turning. Finally, I got out of bed and, and I, I tried to force myself to throw up and, and that didn't help. And so I got in the car and I drove about 15 minutes to a 24-hour pharmacy. It's now about 2 a.m. And I bought, uh, all the, I bought a big bottle of antacid and I went out in the parking lot and I chugged that thing down until I threw up again in the parking lot and I got back in the car and I drove home and I'm still in an immense amount of pain. And you say, well, where in here did you pray? I didn't and I should have. All right. But I got, I was in so much pain. I got on my hands and my knees on the couch in our living room and I'm rocking back and forth and I'm groaning. I'm in, I'm most pain I've ever been in in my life. I'm groaning. And finally, about 5 a.m., Angela comes out in the living room and she says, what's going on? I mean, she was, she was sound asleep and big house on the other side of the house. And, and I told her, she said, you got to go to the hospital. And so I got in the car, and I went to the emergency room, and they did an ultrasound, and lo and behold, I had gallstones. And so they wheeled me back, and they took out my gallbladder. I don't have a gallbladder, and I 
You know, it was a, a weight loss program that didn't last real long. Amen? But um, they took out my gallbladder. And listen, I'm thankful that there was a hospital to take out my gallbladder. I really am, because I was in a whole lot of pain. I am not against the medical system. But what I am here to say is that we have way too many Christians who are so bought in to whatever some doctor blindly tells them, they've not even had, uh, they've not taken to the Lord at all in prayer. And my friend, your faith needs to be in God before it's in any doctor. If you're ever in the hospital and I come to pray with you, then I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say, you need to trust the Lord, right? I've gone and prayed with many people prior to surgery. And my prayer with them is always this, Lord, our faith is in you, not in that doctor. Guide the doctor's hands in this surgery. But you know what? When you are depressed, it isn't just your body that needs help. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. We also need our spirit to be encouraged. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. His faith was in God to recover his body. His faith was in God to recover his spirit. Because his spirit was pretty sideways at this point. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirreth up stripes, but love covereth all sins. Love covereth all sins. Uh, God's love can help heal us. Now, I want to add to this, and I didn't put these verses in here. I probably should have. The Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It also says this, listen up, a broken spirit drieth the bones. I believe that there are many Christians who are going to run themselves in an early grave because they're discouraged and depressed all the time. Marrow is produced in the bone. The Bible says that a broken spirit drieth up the bone. Drieth up the bone. Some people walk around, all they do is complain and bellyache all the time. All they see is the negative in life. They walk around, Johnny Raincloud. Walk around, distraught. Walk around talking about the worst. Listen, if you're in, a, uh, uh, you're in a place where you're depressed, I'm not here to pick on you and put you down. Look at me. I am trying to help you. I mean this. I am in no way trying to belittle you. All right? I've gone through seasons in my life where I was greatly discouraged. Greatly discouraged. You need to do everything you can to put yourself around people who will encourage you. You need to do everything you can to laugh. Amen? Get some old Three Stooges videos and watch those. And laugh a little bit. Alright? Uh, get some Gomer Pyle DVDs. Watch old Gomer Pyle. He's a goofball. Right? Find something that makes you laugh and enjoy that. Get around people who will encourage you. Because if your spirit is down, listen, you're never going to climb out of this. Uh, some people have said that uh, they feel as though they are in quicksand. And the harder they try, they try to get out of depression, the deeper they sink in. Or that their feet is almost in tar. And they're trying to get out. And it's almost like they, they can't even pick up their feet. and They don't even have the will to do it. And I'm here to tell you that the Lord can encourage your spirit. Here's a great prayer to play, pray, especially if you're saved. Lord, Holy Spirit, you've been promised to be my comforter. I need you to comfort me in this time of great discouragement. And you know what? That prayer is a starting point. Others of you in here, I want you to listen to me. I'm going to move on to letter C and be done in just a moment. Others of you in here that are discouraged and depressed, you greatly need to change your environment. 
You've put yourself in an environment that's gloomy and dark and isolated and alone. How do you ever expect to turn the corner when you're constantly bombarded with negativity? Some of you need to cut off some friends. You need to cut off some habits. You need to cut off some locations. There's some entertainment you need to turn off. Listen to this one. There's some music that needs to go. There's some music that needs to go. There's a lot of music out there that's meant to keep you down and keep you sad and keep you depressed. There's music out there that when people are down, they turn on and it doesn't really, you think it helps you, but all it really is doing is perpetuating your problem, making it worse. You say, well, Pastor Lejeune, if I do all these things, when am I going to find my way out of depression? And the answer to that question is, I don't know. But I know this, you need to have every, uh, you need to do everything you can to create a positive environment around you so that the Lord can help deliver you from this. At the end of the day, there's no self-help book, there's no preacher, there's no counselor, there's no therapist, there's no drug, there's no spoofle dust that can be put on your head to cause depression to go away. But you can make choices and you can rely on God, and the Lord can, and I believe will, deliver you. Look back at verse 16 and 17. He says, O Lord, by these things men live, and in, the, in all these things is the life of my spirit, so wilt thou, notice where his faith is, thou, so wilt thou recover me and make me to live. Verse 17, he says, down in the verse he says, but thou, but, uh, thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. Thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. That's why we looked at Proverbs ten twelve, where the Bible says, love covereth all sins, because his sins have been cast behind the back of God and he had been forgiven. Letter C, and lastly, speaking of Hezekiah, we see his devotion. His devotion. Look at verse 18. He says, For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee. As I do this day, the, the Father uh, to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs to the string instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. For Isaiah had said, let them take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil and he shall recover. Hezekiah also had said, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord. Take your Bibles over to Psalm 116. Uh, many people believe that Hezekiah wrote the 116th Psalm right after uh, uh, God gave him a sign of his healing. And what do we see here is that Hezekiah is praising the Lord because the Lord has delivered him and healed him. And he's saying here, look, if I go to the grave, I won't be on planet earth to praise your name anymore. If I go to the grave, I won't be here anymore to raise up my children to love you and serve you. If I'm dead, I do you no good here on planet earth. He said, Lord, if you, you'll heal me, I will be devoted to you. Look at Psalm 116, and uh, we're going to read the entire chapter here. The Bible says, I, I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplication. Because He hath inclined His ear unto me. Follow along in your Bibles, verse 2. Therefore will I cast uh, upon Him as long as I live. The sorrow of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. And I found 
trouble and sorrow. By the way, that word hell there is the same word in other places translated grave. The grave got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Uh, Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. He's encouraging encouraging himself, uh, for thou hast dealt my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will wake before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, uh, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. Uh, when What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord. Here we see his devotion. Now in the presence of all his people, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. Uh, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord. Now, in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And so Hezekiah is rejoicing because God has done him a wonder by healing him. I want to just uh, finish with a couple of things here and call them disclaimers if you'd like. If you call on the name of the Lord in your time of trouble, God may not come to your aid as quickly as he did to Hezekiah's. He may not. He may leave you in a time of struggle. In that struggle, he's going to help you. I have found in both my counseling office and in my personal life, I have found this to be true. When I'm going through a hard time and I'm helping others go through a hard time, Either God comes along and he whispers peace to the storm or he whispers peace to me while the storm rages on. He either whispers peace be still to the storm or he whispers peace in my heart. Sometimes God is going to hold you and give you peace while the storms of life rage on. Other times God's going to walk over to the edge of the boat and he's going to say, winds and waves... It's time for you to stop. Peace be still. Uh, I have found that when the storm rages on and God holds me close and God comforts me, that I grow closer to Him than when He walks to the edge of my boat and says, Peace be still. Sometimes God lets the storm rage on because He's trying to draw us closer to Him. If you're here tonight and you're going through some sort of discouragement or depression. In no way do I want to make light of that. But I do want to encourage you to turn your heart to the Lord and call out to Him and lean on Him. Uh, Listen, get help, but turn to the Lord first. And you get help under the guise of, the Lord is the one that heals me. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Why did God heal Isaiah? Was it because he had the best doctors around him? No, it wasn't the doctors that healed Hezekiah. Why did God heal Hezekiah? I said Isaiah a moment ago. Why did God heal Hezekiah? Because he had faith in God, and and he prayed to God, and God did so. And when he did, he went into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. Let's stand together, and we're going to pray to be dismissed. I'm glad you were here tonight. I hope the Bible study was an encouragement to you and a help. If it wasn't directly for you, we all know people who are struggling. Pass the the Bible study along to someone else. 
and uh, use it to encourage them. There's some folks in here I've never met before. Hope to get to meet you after the service. Glad you're here. Hope you enjoyed the service this evening. Hope it was an encouragement. Let's pray. and We're going to go forth and we're going to serve the Lord together um, uh, in spirit and in truth. Amen.